Welcome to the Tiproxy Method, creating confident learners. The Tiproxy Method uses a unique combination of breath work, brain body work, gratitude, and a clay-based program to affect the neuroplasticity of the brain in students. To help strengthen their mind-body connection, help them develop a growth mindset, and most importantly, trust and confidence in themselves. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. One way to support the Creating Confident Learners podcast is to leave a five-star review and written review anywhere you listen to it. Thanks so much, and let's get started. So if you notice that your child is doing any of these things, coming up with a game plan to mitigate it, whether it's one time a week, whether it's really becoming responsible about, you know, expectations or consistency to finish their reading homework, this is going to widen the gap if it's not addressed sooner than later. Be sure to sign up for the foundation course. This course is here to support you, both parents and educators. It teaches the exact foundational tools I have used with students to increase focus, ease anxiety, and help raise confidence and self-esteem so that they can succeed in all areas of their lives, including academics. It's made into bite-sized digestible pieces to help you apply these tools right away. As we're starting to approach kind of the mid-year, the second semester coming up in the next month or so, I wanted to kind of address the things that I see year after year when kids are struggling. They might not struggle one school year, but then they struggle another school year. And there's a common checklist about 11, 12 things that I see over and over again when kids are far behind their peers or they're just struggling with that school year. They tend to have one or more of these behaviors or situations that has kind of led to some of the gaps and struggles in their academic career. School in general has an incline in terms of academic content and content load. It makes sense that third grade is a little harder than second grade, fourth grade a little bit harder than third, middle school a little bit you know, harder in content level and pace than elementary school and then high school and so forth. And there's this sort of steady incline in expectations, school workload, homework load, etc. And so that's kind of where the academic trajectory goes. Learning is a little less linear. It kind of has these mesas where there's an incline in growth and understanding, then kind of a mesa or table plateau, and then they grow again. And it's more of these steps that kids learn in terms of learning, but it does kind of parallel the incline in the school expectations, school content load, and so forth. And then learning not being linear. Sometimes you think a kid has a concept only to revisit it a week later, and they just don't know it. So really, the question is, when there becomes these big struggles where children are noticeably behind their peers, or just struggling with that particular school year, This tends to come at two points in the year, almost like clockwork, usually a month or two into the new school year. If the past year's gaps or struggles weren't fully addressed, maybe there was a little bit of wiggle towards the end of the year, the school year with academics where they were struggling. And then when the beginning weeks and routine of the classroom or new school year is in place and school starts to get real, kids tend to fumble. I see this a lot too in the big jumps from fifth grade to sixth grade, the first year in middle school, as well as the first year in high school where it's, you know, a new school, a new routine, a new 
expectation. And then in the second half of the year, there's really this big time where kids tend to struggle about halfway through the year, almost into the second semester, or maybe even a month or two into the second semester. Late January and February is usually where I see this, where there's been a big jump in the content level and the content and pace and curriculum in the second half of the year. And kids really start to struggle as well if they have some gaps um, in knowledge or gaps in pace and gaps in distraction where it becomes noticeable. So those are the two times in the school year, usually a month or two at the beginning of the year, and then also kind of that month or the beginning of the second semester when school has done another jump in terms of content. And I've seen over and over again, small gaps, small struggles with keeping up with the pace of the class, the content, the peers, it compounds over time and then the gap starts to become exponential if left too long. So I'm always an advocate of addressing problems as they come up as soon as possible in whatever context, but really getting those in place because something that seems small eventually becomes quite big if it's not fully addressed or hasn't been resolved for students. And as I've taught kids who really struggle, have they tend to have one or more of these factors in common. The first one is they have a varied or mixed school education. They've moved from school to school. They've moved from town to town. They've had a different you know, school and teacher um, and environment. And especially in the younger years, kindergarten, first, second, third, where their solid academic foundation in the core subjects is behind or has missing gaps. Because even in a kindergarten or a first grade or a second grade in one school, in a different school district, a different school, there can be things that have been addressed at the beginning of the year or at second grade versus first grade. And so when kids have a very varied academic beginning, they tend to struggle. But with this in mind, there's a really big disproportionate and high percentage where these kids have had a varied early education and have had Waldorf in the mix. Sometimes Montessori, but really sometimes when kids start at Waldorf and they're mixing schools or they're changing schools or they're struggling in the Waldorf school system and they move to another school, they switch to another school, that lack of academic skills, the lack of focus on academics and foundation that are not taught typically in the earlier years of Waldorf in that alternative setting becomes really apparent. And so I personally having the background in teaching, believe in teaching kids the skills and tools first as they're developing and then giving them choice. But really our job as educators is to help model and solidify the core academic skills in the younger years, including things like thinking for themselves, understanding how they learn, being self-confident, explaining their thinking, and as well also having a solid foundation in reading, writing, math, and then also that perseverance skill of how do you stick to something that is challenging. So really, we're setting up a foundation in the early years that is going to transfer as they go through their entire academic career through upper elementary, through middle school, through high school, and hopefully into college. So a mixed and varied education system, especially having a Waldorf foundation and switching schools, I see a lot of kids who have these huge gaps in knowledge and academic foundation really struggle when that is part of their academic history. The second thing is the high prevalence of ADHD where they are easily distracted in a group setting that tends to be one of the things. So if a child is distracted in a group setting, the percentage of information that they are most likely missing becomes higher and higher and higher the more distracted they are. And this ties very heavily to over sensory loads. 
I have seen kids who are highly distracted where their nervous system, their sensories, literally pull them out of the moment, pull them out of the body and redirects where their focus is. And especially what I've noticed in the last few years, a really heightened smell, like sense of smell, like some things that would never bother the majority of people, they can smell from far away, noises, having people around. Again, this is linked to that highly distractedness, but this over sensory where their nervous system, where their senses are literally taking their attention so they can't focus and they can't learn in that situation. So helping kids regulate that. Again, I always do breath work. I do gratitude. I come to the present moment. I come to the body so that kids are more aware of where their attention is going. So a lot of kids who struggle in comparison to their peers, their sensory load tends to be very, very high. OT can help with this occupational therapy. And there is a little bit of a correlation in fine motor skills here too. So something about that is linked. Another factor that I see a lot with kids who are struggling in the academic setting is that they really have no structure or routine or schedule at home. And, you know, kids need high expectations. They need some type of container and consistency to know what to expect. And the ones who have a a really far-reaching lack of structure, that tends to correlate with them struggling in the school setting and actually being able to just do the basic tasks of showing up, finishing the classwork in whatever time frame, homework. So that's one thing that I've seen typically with kids who are struggling majorly in comparison to their peers or struggling with the new school year and the new teacher, the new grade. Another factor is behavior problems. And this tends to be where kids are in charge of what they do and don't do at home academic wise. And I also watch a lot of these kids tend to pull on the emotional heartstrings of their parents. I will always argue that a kid who gets their way, gets everything that they want is not the happiest kids. It's the ones who know the boundaries, who have natural integrity, who have respect, who are warm and friendly and have all those things. The ones who know how to self-regulate, then we don't see those behavior problems. But some of the behavior problems that link to academic problems is because they tend to get their way in the home setting. And so that transfers to the school setting as well. Another factor that I see often with kids who are behind, they give up easily. They get frustrated. They stop trying. And of course, if you're not trying new skills that come in school, then you're going to struggle. And this is highly connected kind of to that behavior, giving up easily and also negative self-talk and how they talk about the world around them, how they talk about the people around them, how they talk about their peers and their friends, how they talk about themselves. When we think about negative self-talk, we're only seeing a percentage of what a child or a person is really thinking in their mind. So if that is already disproportionately high, then we know something internally is happening. So rewiring with gratitude is one of the ways that I do as long and as well as breath work to calm the nervous system to be at ease in their own body to be present a lot of times when we as adults have negative self-talk or kids have negative self-talk we're often trying to protect ourselves but also disengage with ourselves so really learning to be happy as a whole child is a component of academic success as well and then tied more extreme the kids who are really struggling sometimes the tantrums that we see in the older kids you know tantrums in third fourth fifth grade and this can be subtle, this can be extreme, but tantrums are a marker of 
really how they're doing in school and how they handle challenges at hand. Academic-wise, a lot of these kids, when they're younger, they're mixing up letters. They are having trouble with the mechanical writing of letters or not knowing them or not being able to write them. That is a indicator of something with the processing and the visual-based processing in the brain. And so a lot of kids who haven't wired this properly, who haven't had enough practice or consistency come late first grade, second grade, third grade, this is where some big academic problems happen because when we talk about all the other subject matters, including mathematics, there has to be a solid reading foundation to continue on as they go up through the upper elementary school years, up into middle school, up into high school. And then no surprise with kind of this marker of the big problems at the beginning of the school year and then the second semester is just not being able to keep up with a class pace. They're actually needing to work in a one-on-one setting to actually learn, to fill in the gaps, to learn how to keep pace with their peers, with the content that's going on in that world. And one of the biggest things that I see is when kids get things in a one-on-one setting, whether it's behavior, whether it's outlook, whether it's self-talk, whether it's academic gaps and holes or new math concepts or new reading concepts or a new literary book that they're working on when they get it in a one-on-one setting, when they get it for themselves independently without the comparison of their classmates or other people that often transfers to home life and to the classroom. And then tied to the negative self-talk, a lot of these kids who are far behind, they do just in general lack self-confidence. I've heard over and over the I'm stupid. I can't, I don't know, I don't want to. That's actually covering up as well with self-confidence. If I don't even try, then there's nothing to feel bad about. And so again, gratitude, breath work, those are my two major tools when we're talking about teaching holistically to the whole child, giving them the tools that transfer to being able to stick to the academic challenges as they come up, whatever it is, whether it's the pace, keeping track of their homework, doing the classwork that's, you know, in front of them, you know, being responsible, all those things are tied to how we feel about ourselves. And then the last thing that kind of ties into these two that I see often with kids who are struggling in general is just not doing the reading homework or not doing the work at home. And so of course that's gonna compound, you're literally exponentially becoming behind without practice of your peers. Or they're doing homework that, or reading work that is below the grade level and this just compounds and widens the gap between what their classmates and their peers are doing on the daily. So anything that we do five days a week, the four days a week of homework compounds over time. But if they're not doing it, then everybody in their class is getting further ahead with just exposure, with just practice. Or if they're reading below grade level, they're reading something that's too easy for them and they're not stretching themselves. Again, that's widening the gap. It's widening their ability to do things independently and it's widening their ability to read the content that's coming through. And so with the middle of the school year, these are just some of the majority of the things that I hear over and over and over again when a parent reaches out to me when a student is struggling in the school setting. And this is why I love that breath work and the gratitude practices. We're calming the nervous system, creating a mind-body connection of calmness, of presence, as well as fostering greater confidence. Hopefully before any of these things, you know, personality problems take root and are ingrained and then we have to unwind 
unwind that to restart and to create this, you know, these positive habits. I've always been all about preventative steps and knowing that these are the common indicators that I see year after year that lead to or are going to become bigger issues down the line, it's good to try to address them as soon as possible, sooner than later. So if you notice that your child is doing any of these things, coming up with a game plan to mitigate it, whether it's one time a week, whether it's really becoming responsible about you know, expectations or consistency to finish their reading homework, this is going to widen the gap if it's not addressed sooner than later. And as we're approaching kind of the middle of the year, the end of the first semester, we're approaching winter break. And as a teacher, I really do value taking breaks when it's there and where it makes sense to do so. So we'll be back in the new year. So be sure to stay in contact. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter at pages.creatingconfidentlearners.com to be the first to know when we're back in the new year. You'll also get a free reading assessment when you sign up, which will help identify reading problems before they become bigger issues in academics. And there's also some very concrete tools to combat that right away. Have a beautiful rest of 2023 and we'll see you in the new year. Aloha. Be sure to sign up for the foundation course. This course is here to support you. It teaches the exact foundational tools I have used with students to ease anxiety and help raise confidence and self-esteem so that they can succeed in all areas of their lives, including academics. It's available as a one-time purchase or as an ongoing monthly subscription with extra group support and monthly live stream. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay in contact. Keep up with the Creating Confident Learners community on Instagram and Facebook at Creating Confident Learners. Have a blessed day and aloha.